0: Everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David Nikki Nellis, a foodie born and bred. My wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz.
1: And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a chef for under $20. Because he is cheap.
0: Well, maybe so, but Foodie married Beast anyway, and together we've got the Food and Wine Variety Show that has everyone talking.
1: It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now.
0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're coming to you from our fabulous new studio here at the new WTOP Federal News Network headquarters. we got a great show today. We're going to be eating a lot, drinking a lot.
1: We're already eating a we'll lot. We'll never
0: get out of here. <laughs> so let's start off. So, um, uh, born in Iran, Batman Batmanglish. I did it right. I did it. Okay. Spent... I'm not
1: going to try that, just so you know. It's all right. <laughs> it's all
0: right. I'm a stumble mouth. So, mm-hmm. uh, she has spent the last more than th- uh, three decades cooking, traveling, and adapting authentic Persian recipes to Americans and others in the West uh, tastes uh, and techniques. Uh, the Washington Post called her the guru of Persian cuisine. Every cookbook she's written has been a home run. She's won awards, even your first effort, and they all look like the Bible. They're the, they the, they're as thick as, and full of anecdotes and except, recipes. Except
1: this book is filled with gorgeous photos, right, like a Bible too. Right.
0: So her newest book is um, uh, here with us, Cooking, Cooking in Iran: Iran uh, Regional Recipes and Kitchen Secrets. We're going to be speaking with her. Uh, so on a Total change of subject, only about 4% of the federal government's funding for cancer research goes to pediatric cancer research at the Children's National Health System. So a group called Chance for Life was founded by Brad and Callie Nirenberg, and they're going to be on the phone to tell us about the organization's mission and many good works. Well, in that and regard. also they
1: have a huge event coming up that they're going to be telling us all about. Big event. Mm-hmm. Big huge, event. Huge, huge. Huge.
0: All right, so when you're— Craving a taste of good health, mm-hmm. and I always am, mm-hmm. along with the sugar I eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flower, Child, <laughs> Flower Child complies. They they uh, offer farm fresh grains, greens, and wraps, uh, flavored lemonades, but it's all good for you. Uh, Flower Child's Jessica Mulroy and Monica Copeland are going to be with us mm-hmm. to talk about it, and they brought in a
1: bunch yeah. of
0: stuff to taste. Absolutely and my new amico, amico mio, Noe Landini, of the famous Landini brothers, originally, uh, in Alexandria. Sounds
1: like a circus troupe.
0: Oh, uh, you know what? I'm
1: just teasing. You
0: know what, great Italian food. He's also the owner of Junction Bakery and Bistro that mm-hmm. opened up in 2016 in Delray. Yeah. Um, Junction creates breads and pastries, they've got a restaurant, you get breakfast, lunch and brunch, and now dinner. And Noe's in with his chef, James Duke, who is late of Salt Line. Working with our buddy Kyle, Kyle Bailey, Bailey down on the on the waterfront, mm-hmm. and they're going to be talking to us. And uh, any regular listener knows that we always have a drink segment. That's why uh, City Winery's beverage director, Samantha Miller, Sam, my new friend, my new best friend, is in with a great uh, sampling of the wines produced right here in D.C. I mean, it's...
1: An urban winery. You got to
0: get your head around the fact that, you know, wine is produced... Over there, a couple of blocks from here. All right, but first we're going to talk to oh, Mitch Berliner. I think I'm wrong. What? What? Yeah, you're on. IAD. Hello, you're talking to hey, yourself.
2: back you from say? Egypt. How are you? Yeah, how was Egypt? Am. How was Egypt? Yes. Uh, put it on your bucket list. It's yeah, on my bucket list. Is so deep, it is so interesting. As much as. Much as you might think it's interesting to see and all the art and history, these people had civilization 4,500 years ago. Right. It's over the top. Mm. It's just unbelievable.
0: I, I know all and, about it, um,
2: So I urge people to go there. Of course you do. We were uh, slaves not there. not be afraid. <laughs> that, that, that actually t- turns out to be that there's a lot of truth to that in a certain period of time. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Um, let's stop that. the were a lot of people. So and let's talk okay. about the markets. Tell us what's going on at Central you Farm got Markets. It.
2: Well, thanks for asking. Um, well, <laughs> the rain gods were good to us. It right, it time, right, it stopped just in time, right? It it stopped raining like five minutes before we officially opened, and so we're uh, excited to um, greet our patrons. What's the good rain? stuff at the Yeah, at what do you got in market time? today?
1: You got the Oscars tonight. What do you got? Well, yeah, okay.
2: So we've got all kinds of good stuff. I want to tell you one thing that we're proud of, and I've never really talked about. Um, our market was responsible for allowing the wineries and ultimately the breweries and distilleries to participate in Maryland in farmers' markets. So if you come to our market, you're going to see a local distillery every single week, which is really something that's really unique. And um, we have so I can come to a farmers' and market and get
0: beer and wine and 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 distilled and distilleries. spirits. Hubba hubba.
2: Right. So um, it's it's really fantastic. Um, this week uh, we have a Quintox. They have organic, uh, all kinds of vodkas and different things. We have Twin Valley. We just have all kinds of distilleries, beer. We have uh, Wardecka, Maybe you guys know that beer. They come to our market. Um, uh, we have different wineries. We actually were responsible for changing the law in Maryland, and I got the pen from the governor uh, as a thank you. You're to be congratulated. uh,
0: Unfortunately, you just ate up your three minutes, so tell everybody where the markets are, and we got to rock and roll. Well,
2: I will do that. So you got great food and booze at the Central Farm Market in downtown Bethesda. Please come and visit us. Go to our website, centralfarmmarkets.com, and have a wonderful day, everybody.
0: All right, thanks. All right, let's. Speaking of spirits and wine and all that, Sam Miller is the beverage director.
1: Hi, Sam. Hello. How are you? Great. At Thank you
0: for
3: joining us City today. City
0: Winery. Uh huh. And she she lives in Leesburg. She lives not far from where we were yesterday. Oh, we were yeah. at a terrera yesterday. Yeah, great
3: wineries out out that area. And
0: right.
1: you know where else stuff. we went? We went to Route 657. Oh yeah, that a brewery. No, not a brewery. No, 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 uh, it's just like a market. Oh, okay. And a restaurant. It was so cool. We really enjoyed it. there's a lot of cool
3: stuff out there. Really
1: neat.
0: Out there in the country.
1: Out in the country. Country. It (laughs) is like the country. All right, so urban wineries are sort of a new national trend that are happening really across the country. Talk about urban wineries' sort of mission and and how they're looking to execute it.
3: Sure. So it's really unique. We get the grapes. um, We have the luxury of getting the grapes kind of from where we want. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of places, if you you know have a winery in Virginia, for example, you're growing your own grapes, and that's what you're kind of limited to. So as an urban winery, we have really the flexibility to pick a varietal and do really cool things with it. We have you know Pinot Noir from California, mm-hmm. and we have Pinot Noir from Oregon. So we get this luxury to kind of pick and choose and bring it to the urban scene. Not a lot of people leave D.C. or leave New York or the other cities where our locations are, so they're able to come in to the city and do these amazing wine tastings with wine that's made right on our property.
1: Well, and so for people who haven't been down to the property, you guys have been open like what? Like nine months? Yeah, we've been open since end of April. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Why
3: don't we give the address?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, it's down in Ivy City. Okay. Yep. Right
3: in Ivy City, uh, like um, 1350 Oakey Street, mm-hmm. n- Northeast. Don't mix it up with Northwest. I've done that. Um, um, but it's,
1: a f- well, what's interesting is it's for people who know, it's the former love... Love nightclub. Club, right? Yeah. So it's like 40,000 square feet, right? Yeah, it's four, enormous. Yeah, four floors,
3: five if you include our kitchen in the basement. It's, and, it's a beast.
1: And if so,
0: only you yeah. could have combined the two. I know, right? <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. So we're going to talk more about the facility because you guys do so much there. You do, do so much lot, more than yeah. wine. There's mm-hmm. music. You do classes. There's like, yeah, it's like a three ring circus. You got a
3: lot of stuff. Are you gonna...
0: doing open heart surgery there as well? <laughs> a little bit, a little okay. bit, so some neurosurgery yeah. too. I yeah. might stop into just that just for Sunday brunch. Yeah. Yes, just for not. Sunday brunch. <laughs> okay.
1: um, so let's talk about the first wine you're pouring today. Sure.
3: So we have a uh, 2016 Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. This is uh, grapes are coming from Santa Maria, California, uh, but we do make it in house. Uh, so it's a beautiful Pinot Noir coming from you know Central California. It's absolutely gorgeous. We call it Capital Noir, and mm-hmm. uh, we're trying to play homage to the cities that. And we're is this in.
1: one? So are you guys actually now producing the wine in house? We are
3: producing in house. So. Because um, that takes time. It does. It does. You know the whites take a little bit less time. So we were very fortunate this year. We have a Seville Blanc. Uh, we got the grapes from Charlottesville. So we're really really excited for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we've, everything's made in-house.
1: Excellent. Right, cool. Great. Thank you. Well, if you'll pour a little bit for everybody in studio, that would yeah, be terrific. Course.
0: All right. So now let's talk one of our favorite subjects, Persian food. Yes. With, uh, I mean. With I, the I authority, have to say,
1: it seems like. You,
0: I mean, the fact that you sat down, you wrote your first cookbook and won a huge award on it, and you've been doing nothing but winning awards and enlightening everybody as to the you know the breadth and depth of, of Persian cuisine is pretty impressive because you were not what were you doing before that?
4: Uh, actually, um, when I was eighteen, I came to United States for my college education. With your
0: husband? Oh, <laughs> were, were you married to Muhammad then? No, oh, I didn't
4: know him at all at that time. And then um, I you know I always loved. To cook, but my mother wouldn't allow me in the kitchen. She would say, "Go to university, get your education. You have plenty of time to cook," and she was right. So I came here when I was eighteen. I went to college, undergraduate, graduate school, and then I I returned to Iran and handed my master's degree to my mother, and she allowed me in her kitchen. Okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. but then like a very I, I start, coo- start cooking with my mother mm-hmm. after college. Actually, mm-hmm. I got into this cooking, and uh, then. I met Mohammed, my husband, which is here. Yes, <laughs> an and,
0: erudite, uh, urbane uh, man, uh, if there uh, ever uh, was <laughs> one. Right? Yes.
4: Then, uh, then a revolution came about in 1979. Mm-hmm. We went to France. We were refugee in France. Uh, I did and how not... old were your children then? Did no, you have... I, I was pregnant with my first first son, child. Okay. And uh, I did not know French. We were young. We didn't have documents. So it was very challenging, uh, and then I start. Uh, France was the place I really felt that ah, uh, you know, the crooked street, the markets, and the aroma. Especially we were in south of France, so mm-hmm. I decided to become a cook, something that I always wanted to do. So I took some cooking classes, and then I realized my neighbors make best ratatouille. So I forget about the classes, Then I learn from my neighbors, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and, and then I start cooking my mother's recipe for my neighbors. And they told me, Najme, you should do a cookbook. And so they helped me to find a publisher. So my first cookbook actually was in French, Ma Cuisine d'Iran." Okay. It was a small bouquin, as the French said, a small cookbook. Then in, in 1983, uh, I was pregnant with my second son, we immigrated to America, mm-hmm. and then I wrote my first cookbook in English, Food of Life, actually. Right. And I sent it to everywhere, but no one wanted to publish cookbook about Iran, remember, at that well, time. Well, at that time, sure. It? So my husband and I decided to start our own publishing house. We said that the, the future of Iranian, second-generation Iranian is English, so they have to know about their culture and their, their food. So... And then, um then i the second,
1: third, fourth,
4: fifth, and then, well, so let me
1: ask you a couple of questions. When you first came to the United States, there wasn't a i mean, the kinds of foods and the 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 trade was i mean, how did you find the product to As cook? Classic Persian cuisine. You're talking
4: about uh, 45 years ago. Right. right.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Even actually, in France. I I mean, to, in I France, to... I'm sure you had terrific product, but not the same product you were used to.
4: Uh, yes. Uh, but in I mean U.S., when I 45 years ago, my mother sent me rice. You know, Iranian rice sure. is very much like basmati rice. Mm-hmm. Sent me all the ingredients and spices. It took three weeks. Oh. And sent a letter with the, the recipe, so it was quite challenging. But I, I, I tried all the recipes. So you were the
0: original slow cooker. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's right.
4: At that time, was every, everywhere were frozen food. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking right. about uh, Alice Waters start uh, the revolution of uh, from farm to tables, and then just the beginning of all those movements.
1: Well, so we're gonna take a quick break. But when we come back, I really want to talk about the travel. That You did to create this book, Cooking in Iran, because um, it's filled with gorgeous photography, but really delicious recipes and a lot of history. What? Let's just
0: remind everybody quickly: we're on Facebook Live at Nikki Nellis, N Y C C I N E L L I S, and you can see all this. We got amazing food in here today.
1: Okay, this is David and Nikki Nellis and with Fooding the Guess. Beast. We'll be back in just a second.
0: All right, we're back on Fooding the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis talking about a glorious new cookbook, Cooking in Iran: Regional Recipes and Kitchen Secrets. I have a question for you. Like with all these recipes, have you cooked and tried every one of them? You must have.
4: Yes. Actually, so, I live next to Georgetown University, and a lot of graduate students come volunteer. to my kitchen and test <laughs> test the recipes. Because it seems these days a lot of young kids, they love to cook. Are you accepting more volunteers, is <laughs> <than> my
0: <question?
1: laughs> Maybe. Well, so let's talk about... So the, they're being tested by a lot of students. Let's like, talk about your newest book, because it is really... In, it's a, a tomb. I mean, it's so much you know, in here. So, you traveled back to. You know, Iran. For
4: 35 years, mm-hmm. I wrote my cookbooks inside of America. Right. So, this book, uh, five years ago, I decided, I planned the book because it was a need a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. And then, for three years, I traveled in, throughout Iran. Mm hmm. Wow. That was a dream. That was a fantastic dream. I always wanted to do that. I mm-hmm. wanted to go to Iran, uh, travel throughout Iran, cook with the uh, cooks, share tables, share kitchen, uh, feel the aroma and uh, the essence of Iran. So mm-hmm. I was, it was very challenging. It was daunting because I didn't do officially. I didn't have permission to do that. Oh, because, but I had the photographer, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's and dangerous dr- these days. Yeah, the drivers. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was it was daunting, and it was politically, emotionally, logistically. Well, I mean, if you I think I about <laughs> what
0: happened with Jason Resian, I mean, weren't you in some kind of danger?
4: Well, we try. I try. You know, uh, my cousin's drivers helped me. Was he was Because you did have driver. some family still yes, there. I right? had, wow. Yes, yes. I have some. Cousins, Mm -hmm. they helped me. Yeah, family, friends helped me to do that. And when they, it was very interesting. When I share with the uh, people, uh, every city, they were very excited. I'm trying to do this because, you know, I'm from Tehran and Mm -hmm. Tehran looked down on other cities. Oh, really? Like New York. Right, (laughs) like New York, (laughs) exactly. So, and they were so. Forget about uh, it. uh, (laughs) So, they were very excited. I'm giving them. Equal attention, to every city. Well,
1: so were there surprises for you, given that it was your first time back in the country? Were there surprises for you in other areas, maybe that you didn't go to when you were younger? That That's right. sort of cooking styles right. and qual- uh, ingredients that were used that you were like, oh, I didn't. Of I course. Didn't
4: know of course. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about the role of dates in southern Iran. They mm-hmm. worship date. They treat date like human being. Mm-hmm. When a date. Dies. I mean, they, they are food, delicious. They have funeral for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they believe female date fall in love with male date and oh. during the springtime. That's what time. happened. Nikki <laughs> fell in love with me on our first date. <laughs> so, and, and I learned a lot of how to use dates in my cooking, which mm-hmm. is something I didn't know, especially when you're from Tehran, you're totally ignorant. Okay. And, and, and I also think by the Cas... You know, Iran is separated by high mountain ranges mm-hmm. running from east to west, north to south. We, in the north, we have Persian... Uh, we have Caspian Sea. Mm-hmm. In the south, we have Persian Gulf. So totally different climates, different vegetation, mm-hmm. even different fishes, even though they are sure. very- So I learned a lot about Caspian food, which I was very excited. Mm-hmm. Caspian, they make... Frittata, which is, uh, in Persia, they call cuckoo, egg Mm omelette. It's very much like uh, Italian frittata or French quiche, but without pastry. Mm -hmm. And in Caspian, they make so many varieties, and they make it with duck eggs quail eggs. That hmm. was very interesting for me.
1: Sure. And the, You'd have to use a lot of quail eggs.
4: <laughs> yes. Right? So I, this, this was very new for me. And mm-hmm. I wanted to share that with the rest of the people in Iran because sure. I noticed a lot of people, they didn't know about each other's. Uh, well, so is this translated? Will it be yeah. available in yes. Iran? You know, it's funny things is as soon as a book comes in English, Next one is translated into Persian. <laughs>
1: oh, that's fantastic! Can you tell us quickly about what you brought in today because it was so delicious. I brought uh, barlava, Persian baklava,
4: which mm-hmm. is made with almond and uh, rose water and cardamom, and I put a glaze of honey in it. Barlava is one of the oldest pastry in Iran. We have evidence of the barlava in. Uh, um, the 500 BC mm-hmm. uh, actually a Greek historian mentioned the description of Barlava. In sixth century, King Khosrow served Barlava on the first day of Nowruz hmm. for everyone. Because uh, and then it's funny that Nowruz is in three in less than three three weeks on March 20th. Mm-hmm. It will be Persian New Year Nowruz. Right. So I, I thought that was a good occasion to bring Makhlam. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> we have to move on. But we the do. book
0: is Cooking in Iran, Regional Recipes and Kitchen Secrets. I assume it's on Amazon and in yes. all the bookstores yes. and yes. everywhere, yes. correct?
4: But yeah, Amazon yeah. is the best because you can get it very fast. Yeah, and they
0: bring it tomorrow. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but well, it's a stunning you. book. I can, thank congratulations. you. Congratulations. Thank,
1: thank
4: you.
0: You're like, you know, in baseball, this would be hitting a 1,000. You realize? You haven't mm-hmm. struck out yet, so congratulations. Thank you,
4: Thank
1: you very
0: much. All right, so um, Sam. Sam, let's go back to you real quick. What did quick. you
1: bring us? What do we need these for? So that's white chocolate. I know that, but why? What so do we this need it is,
3: for? Because I don't is... look fat enough? Is that... Right. So this is one of my absolute favorite pairings. Um, this is one people never think about. We do this in our chocolate and wine pairing classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have white chocolate, which is made from cocoa butter, so it's very fatty and delicious and, and creamy. sugary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so and then you have your pinot noir which is going to be a higher acid wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this pinot noir. It's going to be a little bit lighter, very 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 um, smooth. Mm-hmm. So when you eat this chocolate and you pair it with the pinot noir, the acid from the Pinot kind of really helps cut through the fat of the chocolate. It's this strange pairing no one ever thinks about. When you think of chocolate and wine, you think of dark, dark chocolate. chocolate, really dark. Yeah, dark chocolate especially like with a red wine. Right, mm-hmm. so this is kind of like a standout. This is one of my uh, bizarre favorites, and this is one of the ones we always do for the class. It always catches people off guard. But Ooh, right. It's a great
1: idea. So yeah. tell us what you're gonna pour next.
3: Um, so I just have the Pinot. I do have a um, another bottle if you okay. guys want. There's no mm-hmm. no holding back right yeah. now. Yeah, right. As much wine as you oh, okay. want. Oh, okay. So you're not pouring other. No, no. We're just gonna do the the chocolate pairing. Okay, yep. terrific. Yeah. cool. Okay, good. That's what right. we'll work with.
0: So Brad and Kelly, are you guys on the phone?
5: You've got Brad Nierenberg on the on I've got the Brad
0: Nierenberg. All right, Brad, I know you had babysitting issues this this, this day, and I'm sorry you couldn't join <laughs> us in the studio, but it's good to have you on the phone. So um, Chance for Life is, uh, I, I mean, it's i uh, read up on you guys. You're an essential organization to raise funding to to combat pediatric cancer cases, cancers of all kinds. W- tell us about the organization um, and and how it got founded in the first place. What drove you to it?
5: Well thank you so much for having me on the line and again, apologize for not being in the studio. I would have loved to be there. Um, I started this uh foundation fourteen years ago when my best friend's daughter was diagnosed with pediatric cancer pediatric cancer at age two and as a just a good friend just saying, i want to show him support, I put together so i'm going to put together an event like not your traditional fundraiser in d c this again just to show my friend he has got support because the outlook was very bleak because when he went to the doctors to say, you know, what are, what can we do? There was so little research being done because less than 3% of all the funding going for cancer research is going for pediatric cancer research. So quickly realizing that there's,
0: well, I think that, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say why, I mean, why ignore the kids?
5: Right. Well, I think that, you know, look, it's it's the cancer affects everybody. And you think about it that, you know, there's such a small age group of pediatric only, you know, from a very young age. So the the amount of pediatric cancer patients is smaller than the, you know, everybody over ten years old. Right. So you so you just imagine the funding is going to the mass as opposed to actually it's helpless and also the most you just say it's gotta it. listen, anybody afflicted with cancer is horrific. But having not just your child, but, you know, the, the ch- what the child is going through with, re- with you know, chemotherapy and radiation. And sure. then, the parents are going through every three months with MRIs and just having very little hope. That really was my motivation and uh, has driven us to be. Uh, I think that people, when they had uh, got to meet Kennedy at all of our events, that's my best friend's daughter's name she would come year after year to this event, She was, you know, this fighter and beautiful girl that had this most positive outlook, even though she was frail and, you know, you know, the chemotherapy effects and, you know, balding and, but people connected with her and said, you know, this is just horrific. You know, we know we are fighting really to give her a chance to live. And so that's why I think a lot of the energy around the event, uh, Took off and well, year after year it grew. I, I mean, it's. I mean, you've been crazy successful.
0: People. You know, you've got the 14th annual event coming up. The 14th annual Chance for Life event at MGM. Boeing is your spo- is your major sponsor, correct? So yes.
5: you've yes. done something right.
1: Well, let's talk about the creation of the event and how it's evolved over the last couple of years.
5: Well, the the event, you know, I it's come from 60 people. We play a, a poker tournament during the day for a $10,000 world series of poker ticket. People can buy tables for, you know, the table now goes for $10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, we sold 70 tables this year or at the MGM we sold out. We take over one of their ballrooms. It's not a casino event. It's an amateur poker tournament that lasts most of the day. We've got and then in the evening about 6:30 we have 14 celebrity chefs in DC Putting together great experiences. It's not no, like from DC, because
1: this experience. is at the MGM. Yes, right? <laughs>
5: at the MGM.
0: Right. <laughs> are you lost, Brad? Okay. So, so really, this, you know. this
1: takes place. So, you have the poker tournament happening all day. And then in the evening, you have yes. some of the most renowned chefs from the DC market at the MGM hotel. And how are they executing this part of the event?
5: So it's uh, they we take over the theater. I don't know if you've ever been to the theater, but we saw, Cher there, we saw Brad. share there. We saw share there. We were saw there for the share. opening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so they move they roll back all the seats and we take over the whole theater floor and we have chefs around the side and then we have J's, and we've got um, different uh, experience and um, different attractions going on throughout the night that are, really makes you feel like you're in Vegas for the night. People come, it's a party. It's not a sit-down dinner. It's not a white tablecloth. There's a high energy going throughout the day and at night. Last year, we brought in celebrities during the poker tournament like um, Joe Montana and Dwight Gooden that were surprise appearances. And then at night, we had Blues Traveler, um, John Popper show up
1: out of nowhere. And
5: it's like we create – my goal is every year is to exceed the year before – with surprises. You're, make you're, you're dropping superstar names like crazy. That's, listen,
0: <laughs> Joe Montana. <laughs> you know,
5: I mean, I know. It was, it was all, cool. well, uh, how much are the tickets,
0: cool. Brad? How much are the tickets and how do we well, get the, tickets?
5: So the poker tickets are $500 per, or you've, we're, we've really tried to get as many sponsors as possible to buy the tables. Mm-hmm. And those, so the tables are started at $10,000. And go up in the taste experience is $250, but if you buy a poker ticket, you get a plus one for the after party. So and, and is the after, where is the
1: after party at MGM?
5: Well, I'm, I apologize calling it the after party. It's after poker. It's the taste. Oh, that's the tasting. Right? Okay, great. So it's, yeah. Okay, well, and Brad, tell everybody please tonight.
1: where they can, we have to go to commercial break. Can you please tell everybody where they can buy tickets? Sure.
5: Forlife.net.
1: Excellent. Thank That's you so easy. much, Brad. An amazing Dance. event. Everybody should yeah. get tickets. Thank for.
0: you. All right. Congratulations. Okay. Thank you for your Thank time. You. Thank you.
1: This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec.
0: All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. The studio is buried in good food. Mm-hmm. And uh, a case in point in front of me uh, is a beautiful plate from Flower Child. Uh, Jessica Mulroy and Monica Copeland are the- are we
1: going to Sam first?
0: Uh, we'll go to Sam next because we've already started this. Okay. Um, but they're the, the geniuses behind this. Uh, is, it, is it all organic? Am I right about that? And-
6: uh, it's, it's primarily organic. So um, we follow the dirty dozen list. So anything on that dirty dozen list, um, we will purchase organic in the restaurant.
1: Okay. So Absolutely. let's talk about the concept
6: of Flower And Child.
0: let's also mention that Monica's on the phone. Hi, so Monica. She's, she's visualizing.
7: Hello. Hello. Hi. How are, I'm are you? Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, oh my God! That I'm was really... like a Jerry okay, so Seinfeld.
0: Hello. Hello. Okay.
3: I'm
1: really jealous. <laughs> All right. Um, tell us. So let's hear, <laughs> Let's get the mission of Flower Child. Uh,
7: Flower Child is really the kind of brainchild of restaurateur Sam Fox and being able to feed your family um, in a quick way. Uh, but with healthy food, and so kind of merging this healthy, organic, great lifestyle with uh, speed. You know, we're all about convenience these days, and so kind of putting those two things together, um, and really the first flower child is across the street from Fox Restaurant Concepts office, and that's kind of how it came to be, and then it was a hit. Okay, I want to interrupt by saying
0: I am am an original flower child, the only one in the studio, And, uh, this is, I mean, eating food like this for my co-op was, it was considered revolutionary. We were all going you know, back to the earth, but it was all food that was produced by people using fertilizers and, you know, you know DDT and all that. This is back in the sixties. So this is, this is like, I mean, this is good food.
1: Okay. Where's your question? Is there well, a question there? The
0: point is, how do you do all your sourcing to make sure that you're getting the very best and the cleanest food?
7: Monica? Well, we do our best to source locally. Yes, we do our best to source locally when we're able to. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, As
7: Jessica mentioned, we follow the Environmental Working Group's Dirty Dozen. So anything that's on that Dirty Dozen list every year, we guarantee we'll source organically uh, and do our best to source locally. So as we're opening uh, restaurants on the East Coast now uh, versus the West Coast, which is where we're originally from, from Arizona, um, we're looking and sourcing um, not just Uh, produce, but also a lot of our proteins.
1: Well, let's talk about your rollout because you you started out West and now you're rolling out to the East Coast. How are you sort of evolving as you hit different markets? Uh, I
7: think this is sort of a fun and exciting time for a flower child. So, you know, uh, Jessica and I are both East Coast girls. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's fun to sort of take this concept uh, that comes from you know, Arizona and has started to grow uh, also on the West Coast in California and also in Texas, but to sort of bring it to the East uh, and and how does it fit in? And I think in a place like D.C., uh, I think that is the perfect major city to start sort of this food revolution. Well, I have to be uh, honest, you know, D.C.,
1: what I think is really interesting is that D.C. is one of the sort of incubators for fast casual concepts with the original sweet green, the original kava and pizza. I mean, all these uh, fast casual concepts started here and have rolled out. Nationally as well. And now you're seeing fast casual as as, as a whole designated area as a way of dining. Um, so as you guys are are rolling out into other areas, how are you like how are you finding your niche in the market?
6: Well, I know in the East Coast, um, well, I- you know, we've we've sort of we have seen a little bit of different trends in ordering. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, things that are popular out west aren't necessarily translating completely east, but um, people are just for very example, excited. like what's a good example of that? So we're seeing more. So we opened in uh, November in Rockville, Maryland, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing a lot more soups being ordered. We're seeing a lot of our our rice bowls it's being ordered. Yes, and our heartier dishes are being ordered, which is great because we're really excited about that stuff um, because it's still healthy eating. It's good food. It's good for you. Um, and you're leaving full. You're leaving satisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the what really separates Flower Child is, um, you know, we do provide an element of service. You can kind of make it what you want it to be. Uh, if you want to go and dine out with your girlfriends and and have your beverage refilled and have silverware brought to your table and your serve, your food served to you, we do that. If you just want to kind of grab and go or sit and do your your paper on your laptop and not be bothered, we do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's what's kind of fun about our fast casual concept and how it's translating. And in the city, we get such a broader audience of what do people want. Um, and we well, because you sort have the lunchtime crowds, which exactly. is totally different
1: than maybe your morning crowds, oh, yeah, right? Because you're open pr- in the morning.
6: Pr- we are. We are. We're open at, um, in our Pennsylvania Avenue location, we're open from 8 o'clock to 1030 for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And, and what are breakfast menu. items looking like? So we do a blueberry acai toast. Mm-hmm. Um, our scrambles have been popular. So we have a protein scramble with turkey and um, gouda cheese and, and lots of veggies. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our vegan hash. Our vegan hash has been with tofu. So it's sort of this play on, on um, like, if you'd have a corned beef hash. I want okay. Sorry,
0: I'm going to take the mic back from it. I want to yeah, ask about acai share. because acai, when it when we first heard about it, was like the wonder thing for weight loss and for energy and for all that. What does it really do for you?
6: I think it's the antioxidants. I think that's really the biggest thing with acai. It's this blueberry acai toast, and and it's supposed to be jam packed with anti- antioxidants. So you know, in a city environment with all the free radicals and all of that, I think that's something that you can kind of. I was a on radical flower child. Everyone, <laughs> thank you. Well,
1: and let's just talk lastly about how you guys come up with the offerings. Like, let's talk about the experience when somebody comes in. Do we order off a menu? Do we put our plates together? How does it work?
6: Well, I think that's something we do really well um, for our guests. You know, what do you want to make this? We have our plates options, so you can choose a couple sides and add a protein. Um, if you want to add a, an additional side, go ahead and do that. No big deal. Um, if you need to modify something because of a health or dietary restriction, um, we absolutely do that because we make every dish to order. Um, so, so we're really accommodating in that way.
1: And you guys also have catering? yes.
6: Um, we're really looking forward to uh, our catering right. program. Well, you catered the <laughs> radio we're show. Very close here. <laughs> I mean... we did. We catered the radio show. We brought way too much food, and that's no, exactly no, what never we want to su- do. No, no, there's no such thing, my no, dear. Well, that's it. It's great hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yes, our catering, you know, I think in D.C. it's really going to lend to, um, you know, any of those lunch meetings or dinner meetings, you know. I think being on a boardroom table is perfect for Flower Child. All
0: right, tell yeah. everybody where Flower Child is right now, where they can rush over.
6: We're at 21st and Pennsylvania Avenue, so 2112 Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest in the city, right by uh, GW or the Foggy Bottom Metro.
3: Excellent. And are
1: you guys on like Uber Eats or are you doing any of those things just yet?
6: Uh, So from our website, you can order delivery, and we do use a third party service for that. Excellent. Okay,
1: great. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for all the fabulous food. All right, Sam, let's go back to you. So you poured us this fabulous Pinot, and you guys do these classes. So let's talk about some of them.
3: Sure. So we have um, multiple beverage programs that we mm-hmm. do. Um, I actually love teaching. I get a little carried away sometimes. Uh, but mm-hmm. we do a bunch of different formats. So we do a, a blind tasting course, which a lot of times is led by me or our head som, Adam Cruz, Okay. Uh, where we teach so people. So is Adam local? He
1: is. Okay, yeah, he so your right, winemaker right here is here. City. Thank
3: you. Oh. Um, so Adam Drici is our, our winemaker. Adam Cruz is, is my head psalm. Oh, got it. Uh, got Adam Drici, uh, the winemaker, they're going to start doing a series on Wednesdays mm-hmm. where we'll get to come in and they get to taste from the barrels and really talk with the winemakers. Uh, but The blind, blind tasting classes that we're doing are um, you get to taste like a psalm. So you get wines in front of you that you don't know what they are, mm-hmm. and you get taught you know, how to pick up those nuances, how to say this is a Sauvignon Blanc compared to a, a Seville Blanc, like those little characters. Right. Yeah. And how many people get to be in one of those classes? Uh, we normally cap out around like 36. Okay. Um, if we do them in our winery, we're looking at 15. Mm-hmm. So these are very like intimate, hands-on, you know, ask-any-question-you-want kind of wine classes. The, the whole idea is to make wine less intimidating. You know, it's supposed it's supposed to be fun. You know, right. you don't you don't drink wine to be serious, you drink it to have fun. Of course.
0: Well I'm not intimidated. I drank every drop. Perfect. Okay. But when we come back to you, I want to talk about the entertainment venue and the kinds sure. of acts you have there too, because that's unusual and fun.
3: Yeah, it's really fun. Great.
0: All right. So now let's talk about more food, different food. Uh,
1: so we went from being really, really healthy to there's nothing not. unhealthy.
0: No, it looks healthy to me. So Noe Landini <laughs> is the owner of Junction Bakery and Bistro. He's in uh, today with his uh, chef, uh, James Duke, who was with our buddy Kyle Bailey over at, uh, at Salt, Salt Line. Line. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, now you're, you're already a like member of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I, you know, Landini Brothers is a landmark in Alexandria. I told you, I, I think I literally ate there the first week it was open back in the day. I'm the only one old enough to have done 79. that. 79. Yeah, I was uh, 480 then. So, um, and obviously- Pounds
1: food... or age? What are we talking about?
0: You're mean. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, food's in your blood. So tell us how Junction, how it happened. You grew up in the food world? Uh, yeah, I grew up, I've been doing this about uh, 25 years now, so I don't know how the
8: time's passed that uh, It quickly. happens. It does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live in the Delray area, and I thought that was just kind of an underserved uh, market, and I I liked- a building in particular on mount vernon and monroe and uh i thought that uh, junction would be a concept that would fit in the neighborhood okay but can Quite we talk nice. about Delray? because sure. Delray Del is, Del is, is cool
1: such a cool little couple of blocks in the dc yeah. area i mean i know it's in virginia but what amazes me about it is you have a variety of restaurants and wine bars and a bakery it's and, like a little portland um you know cheese teak and <laughs> yeah. i mean you have all these concepts and you have retail yeah. that seems to be thriving it's
8: like a main street town in a in a, in a little town Alexandria
1: isn't that amazing yeah, because cool. your neighborhood really supports local
0: yeah. but that was organic I don't think the town council said let's do this it just happened right yeah it did it was a it
8: was a kind of a it started off as a kind of a side project something that I wanted to do because I wanted a place to go have breakfast and now we're doing breakfast lunch and dinner
3: mm-hmm.
8: and Well, let's about if I about-
0: ate that for breakfast I'd be dead Wow, you All right, could, we're well, looking at we're looking at, at, a at a fried time. chicken sandwich with a stunning piece of James. You bake this bread? We do. Oh so my that's god! Somebody look at Facebook Live. and You morning. talked
1: right okay. over him. Go ahead, James. What were so, you saying? You're used to doing
9: this more than I am. Um, okay. it's actually a Collaboration between me and the pastry chef Johnny Scott. She makes the biscuits, and mm-hmm. I make everything else.
1: Okay. Well, let's talk about. So, did it start as a bakery and then wound up being a cafe, or was it always? This is what I wanted.
8: Yeah, no. The idea was to to do two things: the uh, you know bistro offering for savory foods uh, mm-hmm. prepared uh, to order, uh, and started breakfast and lunch, and and then of course now we're doing dinner. But we wanted to do everything from scratch every single day. Uh, and then we, we wanted to be able to make our desserts and bread for the other restaurants as well. So we're trying so to— So like
1: a commissary? Of
8: course, yeah. Right. Okay. Exactly.
1: So, all right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about more of what the chef is doing and the, those kind of offerings as well as what your pastry chef is doing. Excellent. Great. This is David and Nikki Nellis on Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec.
0: Well, I've been stuffing my face, but now we're back on the air. You're back with David and Nikki Nellis on Foodie and the Beast. We're talking to Noe Landini and James Duke uh, so about— uh, uh, basically a food empire.
1: Well, no, Landini Brothers is well, a food empire, but now we have Junction Bakery.
0: We got Junction Bakery. You own some other stuff too, right? Yeah, we do. We have, uh, obviously, Landini Brothers Fish Market,
1: mm-hmm.
8: Pops Ice Cream, mm. Bar Deco in uh, Chinatown. Oh, right. And obviously Junction, which is what we're talking about today. Right,
1: exactly. So at Junction, let's talk about how the chef and the pastry chef work together. How do you guys come up with the menus? How do you come up with what you want to um, execute?
9: So we both work pretty autonomously. But we're mm-hmm. all, we also have stations that are right next to each other. So we spend all day talking and collaborating and running the business. Mm-hmm. But um, in this case, I noticed a product, the cheddar chai biscuit, that was selling like crazy, like roughly I bet. 70 it's egg sandwiches without a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, How can I capitalize on what people already love about Junction, but also add my touch to it as well? Sure. So <clears throat> um, I have a lot of family from Louisville, Kentucky. We used to always um, eat fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love Korean food. So I was like, kind of mashed it all together with some. Uh, uh, gochujang in there right. as well, oil, a um, bunch of different sauces and aged honey.
3: It's really delicious. But
0: here's the difference right off the bat. Aside from the fact that the the skin on the chicken is unbelievable and whatever, <laughs> this is a real hearty presentation. A lot of people that do a little chicken breasts, little
1: chicken breast like that. What are you talking about? I'm saying why do you have to do a negative sandwich, with something positive? Uh, I'm
0: saying this is a sandwich
9: that will will fill your stomach and put you down. This is great.
1: Okay, and you're making your own hot sauce.
9: We make a, we make our own everything. Okay. So I'm I'm really big on aging and long process with food. So we make about four different hot sauces right now. Okay. That one in particular is aged for about three weeks with Fresno's and a little bit of um, habanero.
1: So why are we calling it cherry blossom honey?
9: Because we season it with a little bit of a cherry blossom shoyu. Okay. And also local mennonite honey.
1: It's delicious. You're just Thank trying to get so the much. jump
0: on cherry blossom season. I know. I did. Listen,
1: he he's like <laughs> I did it. <laughs> right. Thank you. So, so
9: that's our most popular one. We keep on the shelves so that the guests have the option to grab the condiments that they need. We also do a good old-fashioned mustard. Mm-hmm. If you kind of get what I did there. Yeah. Um, we do um, kind of a Medina mustard, a little bit mm-hmm. of a white balsamic, and a few others as well.
1: So how does the menu shift between lunch and dinner? What are we looking at?
9: So this is actually first time of day you can get this at 11 o'clock on our lunch menu, and then this shifts into dinner. So we start mm-hmm. off with breakfast at 7 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and that goes until 11. Then we shift into lunch, mm-hmm. and then at 4, four o'clock. Four. Four. 4, yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm still new. Right. Um, he's and, like- and then we shifted <laughs> into dinner. He's like and the team. Team. And then no, no, no. Add, you he's added
8: good. to you added dinner dinner items to the to the lunch Correct. menu that just carries through exactly.
3: Mm-hmm.
9: And that has um, a couple of noodle soups. Um, also, a lot of family style things. We're big, like you notice how it's big. It's a meal right. that also translates into our family style things. We sell a whole chicken for only twenty one dollars with a couple sides.
1: Is there a takeaway? <clears throat> yes. Yes. Okay, and
9: that's the main idea, so that people can enjoy great you know restaurant quality food at home, watching Netflix and with their loved ones. And what's mm-hmm. different on the brunch menu? on the brunch menu, it's kind of a mashup of both lunch and breakfast. Lunch oh, and breakfast, God.
1: What's, the favorite thi- what's your favorite thing that you're making right now?
9: Um, best thing I've made, um, oh, we're putting a soup... O- well, he <laughs> loves... Lo- thai street <laughs> noodle soup you. is unbelievable. Oh, he, yeah. no, he, you he, loves, he loves the Thai noodle thai- soup with red curry and vermicelli. Mm-hmm. Um, my new favorite, which I'm trying to beat that one, is it's like a Korean-style hangover soup. We call it a Korean enlivening soup, mm-hmm. where we marinate uh, a little napa cabbage with uh, donjang, a little bit of uh, gochugaru, um, just a long list of ingredients. We use udon instead and a rich beef broth. Mm-hmm. And then we put some uh, crispy pork belly on top.
1: So let me ask, do people come in and say, because it's such an international offering, are people sort of surprised with the name like Junction Bakery and Cafe that it's you're, you're doing a little bit of everything?
9: I think the common denominator is comfort food mm-hmm. and also affordable. So these offerings are only $13. They're bowls. I know the bowl is the new craze.
1: It is the new craze. And so I it's, mean, I'm not rolling my eyes, but it is. It's a it is. it's a craze.
9: But, um, but I like to eat like that as well. Mm-hmm. And so, although you have some from America and then you have some Southeast Asian, it all still kind of fits in the same thing. And it makes sense in a weird way.
3: Right. Well, it's Absolutely.
1: All...
0: all your all your properties are in Virginia. What have you got against Maryland, Noah? No. Well, except, except, except DC's in China. Bar Deco's in Chinatown. Yeah, Yeah, yeah but listening. I'm saying there's nothing in Maryland. Okay. Well, not for long. Come on, man. Right outside
8: your window here over on this side, we're opening here in uh, the collection. Chevy Chase. What uh, are you Junction. Junction Chevy Chase.
1: No kidding. Yeah, yeah, really same way. offering.
8: Well, we'll add a bar. We'll add a. Alexandria will be the commissary for the desserts and bread and. Okay. Uh, and Watch out, Clydes. But bistro, the bistro, we'll will build a bistro kitchen here in Chevy Chase, and we'll also have a bar, which we don't have in Alexandria. We don't have a full bar.
1: Do you offer, um, beverages? We
8: do. We have a we have a, a cocktail on draft. Okay. And we also have uh, another cocktail, uh, wine. Craft beer.
1: Wow. Oh, okay. So you, you do a full In Alexandria. Offering. But right. not a full bar. Not a full just bar. Just very specific. couple Got hours. it. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. All wow. right. And then what, what are we looking for the opening here?
8: We're hoping November 2019.
1: Congratulations. Thank That's you very awesome.
8: Hill oh. Capitol too. Hill also. All right.
1: Capitol Hill too? Yes. 30, wow. Yeah. Yes. Same. Junction Bakery. Yeah,
8: About a block from Union Station.
1: That's Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. And good. will you be executing the... Yep. Menu I'm, along for, all I'm of, along for the whole ride. He's like, I'm here for it. Yeah. I got
9: it. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, thank Very you both excited. for coming in today yeah. and bringing and in for all this um, deliciousness. Is this is really
1: fabulous. All right. all right, Sam, let's bring you back up to the mic. So, so let's talk well, about all the events you're doing at City
3: Wine. Well, let's say yeah. you've
0: got what is I'm trying to remember is uh, how many thousand people can. Uh, it's, uh, no, I'm, I'm wrong. It's 600. Do I uh, capacity? That right? yeah, yeah,
3: but we got we got four floors, so you can have. You know, we've had a f- sold out show, um, a wedding, a full restaurant. Um, you know, Plus you a, have beverage a gorgeous roof deck. Yeah, Your and a roof deck roof full. All these things going on at once, and mm-hmm. you would never know as a guest mm-hmm. just from the amount of square feet that we have. It's it's amazing.
0: So talk about some of the acts because there's yeah. some real headliners.
3: Yeah, we get some uh, some really cool acts. Uh, Susan Vega was one of my most recent favorites. Mm. She's awesome. You know the. the Luca, do, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. And then, my name uh, is Luca. I remember that. Yeah,
3: we just had a uh, Steve Earl, which was awesome. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, we had Dwelle coming up, which is which is great. Um, we have a lot of local acts that um, I could name a thousand of them, not off the top of my head, right? Uh, but we have a lot of really but cool. All on uh, local the website, acts. yeah, yeah. So our website has everything on there. Um, yeah, to check out. It's pretty awesome.
1: And let's talk about some of your events. Cause yeah, aren't you guys doing something for Mardi Gras?
3: We are. So we do some really unique uh, wine pairings that um, are a little different. Uh, we're doing one like a Mardi Gras wine pairing. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be pairing like King's cake, uh, uh, pralines, and we're going to do uh, beignets that our chef's going to make all this in-house. Okay, my teeth um, are
1: like feeling sugar.
3: I know, I you know. We actually we just came back from New Orleans as a, as a company, and I was like, <laughs> i got to brush my teeth. Like I don't know one. what right. she's exactly. saying. I'm, right. I'm, I'm ready. I'm yeah, ready. Yeah, definitely. And we will be serving also... different wines with those items. Yeah, yeah. So cool. we, uh, we try and pair with really strange things. Like we're going to be doing a potato chip and wine pairing, which sounds crazy, but it's one of my favorite things to pair with. You know, trying to take the, the scary out of wine, make it really approachable and and friendly and fun.
1: And how many wines are you guys producing at City Winery now? Um, so right now in our house, I believe
3: we have about 10 cooking. Um, they're, they're fermenting. They're aging at the moment. We'll probably mm-hmm. be going live with some of our, our whites in the next couple weeks, which is exciting. That's is there so sort amazing. of an
0: average time period that it takes the wines to ferment?
3: Uh, you know, it depends on the wine. It can take uh, two weeks. It can take over a month. It really just depends. It depends on the process the winemaker wants to do as well.
0: But you're not sucking things away for four years to wait for you know
3: not necessarily we do have some reserve wines uh you know we have a cab in new york that i think was aged for uh, about two years Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of our wine goes into kegs about 90 percent of our wine goes into kegs which is really cool it's very green not a lot of bottles Um, we pull the the gas from the air to pressurize the kegs and it goes straight to the tap so our guests come in and we have wine on tap and right. it's super fresh. It's super lively. It's it's beautiful, beautiful. Doesn't get corked. Does not get corked. You <laughs> know, having a keg corked would kind of be a bummer. Right. <laughs> totally. That yeah. would be a large bummer.
1: Yeah. Um, one last thing though. Um, how so? What about rosé? Will you have rosé for summer?
3: Yeah, definitely. We do. Um, it's actually my favorite rosé. It's called a rosé of Syrah. So a lot mm-hmm. of times when people make rosé, they make it out of you know Pinot Noir, Cab. Uh, Provencal style. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we make it. We make it as Syrah. So it has a little bit more of a like a. Uh, reductive kind of jammy note to it. It's not just light and acid. Um, it's got texture to it. It's hey, got a I like life. that light and acid. It's <laughs> all right. You, you like what you like, you know. Right.
1: <laughs> but that's the one you guys are producing. When can we expect to see it?
3: Um, we'll be having that ready probably within. A couple weeks, probably three weeks. Excellent. Yeah, we'll be ready for a spring roof launch. Hashtag awesome. Rosé All right, day. make sure everybody
0: knows where City Winery yeah, is. Yeah, so we're
3: uh, right in Ivy City near uh, the old Hecht Warehouse, uh, 1350 Oakey Street, uh, Northeast.
0: Right off New York Avenue.
3: Yeah, check us out. All right, thank so you.
0: first of all, I want to thank you. This was a great show. Mm-hmm. You guys were fabulous. Uh,
3: he says that to everybody after
0: the every show, just got, so you know. Quickly, you got about 30 <laughs> okay. seconds. This is where you can go to the book parties I'll to learn how to use, cook.
4: I'll be at Sackler Museum on March 16 and March 17, Noru's Festival in Tyson Corner, and
1: March 13, Pars Place Iranian Community. Okay. Excellent. And I will make sure to get all that information on the list. Thanks. Put it up on my website. List right. right. are you on it? it? Right. And that's my
0: cue. So right. uh, thank you for a great show. Everything you heard about on the show today, all the info you can find on the listareyouonit.com, Nikki's website. Uh, Follow Nikki on Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram, everywhere. Don't follow me anywhere. Um, And also, I want to remind you, we do another show on Monday afternoons from 5 to 6 online at fullserviceradio.org. That's a one-hour show that's more of a deep dive into a single subject. What are we doing tomorrow?
1: Tomorrow we're talking about uh, the cosmetic industry and uh, knowing, just like where we want to know about organic foods and where your foods come from, you also want to know what's in your products, whether you're putting them on your face or you're washing your hair or soaps or moisturizers. So uh, we have an incredible panel talking about Organic healthcare products and what they can and cannot do for you. So, I want to thank all of our guests for being in studio today. We had a delicious show, uh, and next week will be even more so. Everybody, please have an incredible week.